I'm Landon. Hi, I'm Monique. Welcome to the Nursing Podcast, and we are coming to you this month mm-hmm. from the education room, the kitchen of education <laughs> Not of really. the Burnaby Hospital in British Columbia, where we have just been teaching all day and thought we better get this done so that you guys aren't waiting. Yeah, because July, well, July 1st is next next week so uh is it next week yeah it is um we've lost track of time but it is next week so we'd like to get this done on time for a change and it was wonderful having the nurses here at burnaby who have certainly motivated us and given us a little bit of energy to do the the podcast today and i think one of them in fact wanted a selfie with you monique i know i think it's because you keep telling people how old i am so when they actually meet me they're a bit shocked that i'm not as old as um you have implied that i am in these podcasts Hmm, that Hmm. could be could be it's a shame they never asked for your picture i never get asked for i know it's quite funny isn't it Anyways, let's get back to the topic at hand this month. And often, I think we've talked about this before, we've often been asked about where we get the ideas for our podcasts. And some of them come from people suggesting things, but often they come because uh, of our own cases and frankly, ones that we've perhaps not done as well, because that's really the opportunity that we have to learn is when we actually fail. So let me just be clear that this was a case that I had that I probably failed a little bit at but maybe you guys can be the judge of that but I certainly learned a lot so we had a or I had I shouldn't use the royal we I had a 78 year old female with Alzheimer's present to the emergency department with her husband of 60 years and they were sent in by her GP to have an ultrasound to rule out a DVT Her husband said that she was complaining of right leg pain after walking her dog, and she goes for a walk every day with her husband and their dog. She's quite confused, very pleasantly so, and repeatedly keeps telling me that they love golden retrievers and have had only golden retrievers. Her husband patiently keeps reorienting her that their current dog is a Labrador. She tells me every five minutes of the route of her walk daily. So the reason I'm telling you all that is because she's not the most reliable historian and her husband recounts a very vague history of leg pain. Objectively, there's no swelling, no erythema. Both of her legs are kind of coolish and she does have pulses. She doesn't take any meds. She's not overweight. In fact, she's very fit. She's had no recent flight. She denies shortness of breath or chest pain. She's a non-smoker. Chest sounds fine. And so it was kind of after hours, so we did some blood work and discharged her home to have an ultrasound the next day. She returns the next day, and the ultrasound shows no DVT, but an almost complete blockage of her femoral artery. She was referred to a vascular surgeon to discuss femoral popliteal bypass surgery, and the eMERGE doc came up to me to discuss the case and asked me if I had done an ankle brachial index. Of course I had not. Of course you had. I mean, no, I had not. And frankly, it wasn't really something I did routinely. And in fact, while volunteering at the Paralympics in 2010, one of our trauma vascular surgeons had done a little mini service on how to perform this test. That was really the last time I had done it. So great opportunity to learn something new and to reflect on whether it would have made a difference in this case. And in fact, when I was discussing this case with you and about my idea for the ABI, what did you say to me, actually? I said... What's that? Exactly. So the interesting thing is I said, what's that? I had seriously never heard of that in all my years of nursing. Never even heard of it. And I thought, this is some crazy thing. I've never heard of this. And three days later, I am 
actually allowed to take care of patients once in a while. <laughs> exactly. And I was taking care of a patient. One of the eMERGE docs I've worked with for 20-plus years comes up to me and says, I think we should do an ankle brachial index on this person. And I got the total grumpy nurse look. I was like, honestly, oh, my God. And I rolled my eyes, and he's the nicest guy ever. And he's like, I, I guess I can go do it if you don't want to. And I felt so bad that he thought that I was rolling my eyes at him. But I was just amazed that in all these years I had never heard of this and, and now twice it. in a week <laughs> one I have to do and one you talking about it and I didn't even know what it was anyway so so, so how about I explain what it is since yeah, I now know exactly because you uh, had to learn how to do it right on the spot I did and maybe I've learned now how to do it right <laughs> exactly. uh, so um, what is this ABI or ankle brachial index um, so it's a quick non-invasive way to check for the risk and severity of peripheral artery disease we know that peripheral artery disease increases the risk of heart attack, stroke, poor cellular or poor circulation can lead to cellulitis, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It has been shown to be a specific and sensitive metric for the diagnosis of peripheral artery disease. Additionally, the ADI has been shown to predict mortality and adverse cardiovascular events independent of traditional cardiovascular risk factors. I think that was ABI, not ADI. Sure. Okay. ABI. ABI. Maybe I should start calling it the Abbey. Yeah, maybe. That might... No, I don't think I'm going to call it that. That Uh, doesn't sound right. So the ABI compares the blood pressure measured at the ankle with the blood pressure measured in the arm. Now, it's not quite that simple, which I'll talk about. Uh, So a low ankle brachial index indicates narrowing or blockage of the artery in the legs and thus increases the patient's risk of circulatory problems. The ABI test is sometimes recommended as a part of a series of three tests, including carotid ultrasound, abdominal ultrasound, to check for blocked or diseased arteries, and the ABI. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah, it is. So, how do we actually do this? So, you measure the blood pressure at the ankle and the arm while the person is at rest. That's the easy part. Mm -hmm. Now, how you measure the blood pressure is a little bit uh, different. So, person is supine. Put the blood pressure cuff on the arm with the limb at the level of the heart. You put ultrasound gel on the ACF over the brachial artery. And you use a Doppler and put the Doppler on the gel and you're listening for what we would normally be listening for with a Doppler. So you then inflate the blood pressure cuff. You have to use the manual cuff for this. Inflate the cuff till the sound goes away and slowly, like one millimeter per mercury per second, Mm -hmm. bring the down and when you hear the Doppler signal, that is the number in the brachial pulse. So you Mm -hmm. do this on both limbs, right, left. Exactly. Then you go down to the ankles and you do the same thing. So you put the cuff right around the top, uh, proximal to the malleoli, ultrasound gel on the DP and the PT, same procedure. Listen for the pulse, pump the cuff up, go away, write the number down when the sound comes back. So now you're going to have six numbers. You're going to have right and left from the upper body and DP and PT from both right and left. Yeah. So each time you're doing the DP first. And then you're doing the PT on each foot, right. just to be clear. Yeah. Okay. So you now have six numbers. So right. the one at the top, those are your ones at the top. Yeah. The ones at the bottom, you take the best number. Yes. So it's like the best blood pressure you get. So the, the highest P- of DP or highest of, of PT. PT. Yeah. Absolutely. And you do this yeah. twice because it's each leg, mm-hmm. right? You then calculate it. So you do this for each leg. So you now take the brachial, the uh, sorry, the higher of the two arteries of the ankle, so the yeah. best number on the ankle, divide it by the brachial number on one side, say the left, yeah. and you come up with a number. Now, there yeah. should be a, a less than 10 millimeters 
interarm systolic pressure gradient. So it should be the same on both sides, but we still do both sides anyway. Mm -hmm. If there's a consistent difference in pressure between the two arms, that could be indicative of subclavian or axillary artery stenosis, which Mm -hmm. is another risk factor for all of these artery things. But typically we're looking top to bottom. Yeah. But Side to side is also relevant, although we're not doing math. Exactly. Side to side yeah, thing. Yeah. So a normal ABI result is 1.0 or greater. You're taking numbers like, you know, 100 and dividing it by maybe 105. And so that's going to be 1.0 something, yeah. right? So that's what, why you get into the decimals. So ABI of 1.0 or greater and a normal it's range normal. is sort of 0.9 to 1.3 is considered normal. Exactly. Once you start getting into the higher numbers, I think it starts to get a little iffy, but I'm going to turn it over to you to talk about the iffiness numbers. (laughs) Absolutely. And the other thing is, if you forget what math to do, that's why it's called the ankle brachial index. So the ankle number goes on the top and and it's divided by the brachial. Okay. Okay. Just to be clear. That's a little so, hint. It is a little it's bit. It's not the B-A-I. No, it's exactly. It's the Abbey, not the Bai. Yes, exactly. And then now, one of the things that is kind of interesting is why is your systolic blood pressure higher in your ankles than it is in your arms? Because I don't know. I didn't think that it would make a lot of sense to be that way. But you need to understand, I'm actually surprised that Landon's letting me explain this because he's usually the physics nerd guy but you have to come out of your shell and be every once in a while while. exactly i'm going to embrace my nerddom right now so the blood pressure waveform actually amplifies as it travels distal from the heart resulting in a progressive increase in systolic blood pressure and a decrease in your diastolic blood pressure and really the most widely accepted model for that means that um, your distal areoli have a bit more resistance. Did you just say areoli? Oh, I, my God, I think I did. <laughs> your distal areoles. Oh, my heavens. Arterioles. That's probably the, the a bit of a Freudian slip. Anyways, the reflect... Carry on. <laughs> I know, I'm having a bit of a giggle now. Okay, the reflected wave is not the sole explanation for the changes in that pressure wave. In the legs, your as you get older, your vas- vessel structure actually remodels as we age, and then you have an increased intraluminal pressure, which is actually characterized by increased wall thickening with an unchanged inner radius. So the changes in the wall thickness result from increased hydrostatic pressure in the lower extremities with walking, which usually occur during the second year of life and plausibly explain why the ABI is less than one in the newborn and increases to adult values at two to three years when you start to actually start walking. Isn't that kind of interesting? Therefore, both reflected waves and changes in your vessel wall thickness and consequently stiffness contribute to the reasons that your systolic blood pressure is higher in the ankles than in the arms. And And it has nothing to do with the areoli. I was going to say, and just to be clear, nothing to do with the areoli, more with the distal arterioles. Perfect. My goodness. See, this is why I do not allow the nerddom to come out because I always screw yeah, up the words Yeah, we might need to here. rethink this strategy. I know, exactly. So now let's try to understand the results. So we kind of, you talked about the normal. So if you have individuals with either an ABI less than 1 or 0.90 or greater than 1.40, they should be considered at increased risk of cardiovascular events and mortality independently of the presence of symptoms of peripheral artery disease 
or other cardiovascular risk factors. ABI is a very sensitive, specific test. So subjects with an ABI between 0.91 and 1 are considered borderline in terms of cardiovascular risk. So just a couple of things for you to consider. When the ABI is used as a prognostic marker of cardiovascular events and mortality, the lower of the ABIs of the left and right leg should be used. So you should always use a lower number. For any situation when the ABI is initially determined to, between, to be between 0.80 and 1, it's reasonable to repeat the measurement. Let's make sure we're getting the right measurement. In the case of clinical suspicion based on symptoms and clinical findings, the ABI should be used as the first-line non-invasive test for the diagnosis of peripheral arterial disease. And an ABI less than 0.90 should be considered the threshold for confirming the diagnosis of lower extremity peripheral artery disease. When the ABI is greater than 0.90, but there is clinical suspicion of peripheral artery disease, then we should either have a post-exercise ABI or other non-invasive tests, which may include ultrasound and different things like that. So even if it's normal, but you have a clinical suspicion, then they should investigate further is basically what I'm saying. Okay. So I'm going to talk about when would we do this in the emergency department? Because we are eMERGE nurses, so it's kind of like, well, why do we care, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the major cardiovascular societies advise generally that an ABI should be measured in every smoker over 50, diabetic over 50, and all patients over 70. Now, this is likely done at a GP's or an NP's office Mm -hmm. as as a screening tool, a baseline assessment. But we, we have to acknowledge that a lot of places, a GP for people is maybe not an option. Yeah. And so it might be something that you have a suspicion something and you may do it yeah and again it's a non-invasive don't really need much no it's just a screening ultrasound gel yeah absolutely so in emergency departments people who come in with arm or leg pain obviously emerge nurses should do a comprehensive extremity assessment it's going to be pulses color warmth movement sensation that kind of thing some of the physical findings while doing that assessment might raise your suspicion that your patient has extensive peripheral artery disease and we're going to talk mostly about lower extremity disease because it's more uh, more prevalent so some of those signs and symptoms decreased hair growth on the legs and feet discoloration of the affected leg or foot when dangling uh, so it might be bluish red, yeah. diminished or absent pulses. That's a don't do an ABI if they have no pulse in their <laughs> exactly. foot. You know there's a problem. Yeah, temperature difference in the affected leg, change in sensation, so numbness, tingling, cramping, pain, presence of a non-healing wound on affected lower extremity, like kind of that diabetic non-healing yeah. wound. But hey, you're not diabetic. Yeah, right? exactly. Shrinking of calf muscles. Presence of thickened toenails. It's an interesting one. Mm. Obviously, development of gangrene. Like if, if that's happening, you've got a problem. Exactly. So, so they may benefit from measurement of an ABI added to your assessment. Certainly with gangrene, absent pulses, blue limb, it, it wouldn't be your priority. No, absolutely. But for those sort of vague ones, it might be something that you that adds more data to the understanding. Yeah. And, and I, I have a feeling that this physician, who's a well-respected, not dependent type of physician, mm. the reaction that he uh, anticipated he got from me when actually I was just like, oh my God, I've heard of this twice in a week. And he yeah. thought I was rolling my eyes at him. I have a feeling he's probably approached nurses before yeah. and asked for this and they actually knew what it was. And he got the eye roll, which is why that's where he went to right away. <laughs> and so it, it may be of benefit for us to add more data to the understanding. 
it does take a bit of time. Yeah. So it needs to be balanced. Obviously, if someone orders this on everyone, that's a little excessive. No. But it might be one of those nursing things that you just sort of go, well, this, this might be positive and yeah. maybe I can progress someone's care for a relatively minor complaint and save them from having cardiac disease yeah. or at least identifying it by just taking 10 minutes and doing that now while you're here. Yeah, and it's it's quite important because I think that when we think about complementary team work and assessments, I think when you as nurses feel empowered that you understand why we're doing the test and when you have all of those different conditions that you're trying to figure out differential diagnosis, especially when something is not improving the way it should, then I think it's really beneficial to say, okay, well, and then I'm not worried about this. This isn't a red flag that I need to say, oh, have we thought maybe this is a problem? So when I think about the case study above, of course, you know, whenever you don't do something, I think it's something that you reflect on and, and gosh, would it have changed my management? Would it have added more to the picture? And while I think it would have been helpful to have done it, it would certainly add to that clinical picture and raise the suspicion that it was a peripheral artery disease process rather than just a DVT. It was still the right thing to do the ultrasound, but it would have been just more comprehensive to add an ABI measurement to the whole picture of it. Great. So um, interestingly enough, we're now sitting in the dark. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, 5 p.m. and apparently the lights automatically go Close out here. Close at Burnaby General in <laughs> the, the education the room. The hospital in Burnaby closes at 5, apparently. <laughs> yeah. um, well, at least the education room does. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we are done. Yeah, I think so. So why don't we just talk about maybe let's just kind of summarize it. Sure. Um, let's just say that ABI is used as a screening tool for peripheral artery disease. There are certain conditions in the emergency department where that picture of wondering if somebody has a peripheral artery disease picture, which is, you know, arm or leg pain, as you said, wounds that are not healing in patients who have no medical history, it may be beneficial as nurses to not even wait for an order, but maybe to just do it now that you've learned how to do it. And maybe it's kind of fun to do it because then when you really do have to do it, then you know how to do it. So I think we're going to we're going to stop there because literally <laughs> more we are... more lights keep going out as we're sitting here. <laughs> exactly. And we may not be able to find our way out of Burnaby General Hospital. We'll be stuck here till the next month's podcast, I think. Possibly. All yeah. right. So uh, from July's podcast. Yeah. Goodbye and we will see you next month. Bye. I can't see a thing. For past episodes and to comment on this episode please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember... Before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education. www.prneducation.ca